0: Here, trying to help you. I'm here to give you what it took me 30, 30 years in ministry to get. All right, let's get right into God's Word. Now, that's our series, Looking for That Blessed Hope, and we already have done volume number three, and we are now on part number three. Volume three, part three. If you're counting by number, each series is six tapes. So the first two t- series is 12 and then you got last week, 13, 14, all right? This day, now, 15, we are moving right along. We are teaching on looking for that blessed hope. Now, what I want to do now is show you the people that this message was talking to, talking about. Let's show you the scripture. Acts chapter 26, verse 6 and 7. Now, remember my responsibility. My responsibility is to give you information don't, don't forget that I, i'm gonna i'm to talk about that a little a little bit today in my message my responsibility is to give you information so if, if you want to be a student of the word those kind of things you need to jot down my responsibility is to give you information all right now the reason why is because the holy spirit's responsibility is to give you Revelation. And, and people, so many people that I meet uh, don't understand that principle. When somebody's giving them information, they won't receive it. And then they pray to the Lord for revelation. You, you can't get revelation. You just rejected the man who had the knowledge. See, I'm, I have the knowledge of God's word. I'm gonna give you the scriptures. See, I don't teach by prophesying and all this stuff. That's somebody else's ministry. I give you the knowledge of God's word. So if I'm going to be talking about looking for that blessed hope, how are you going to know if you're right or wrong? Somebody got to give you the knowledge of the word. Then take the knowledge of the word, and the Holy Ghost will show you, are you right or the person who's doing the teaching right? That's how it works. But if you try to be right without the instructions, be right without the information, you're not going to ever have no revelation of God's word. You're just going to have what you think that you got from what somebody else said. All right, and that's not going to last. All right, so let's look at Acts chapter 26. Let's see who this was speaking to when they said looking for the blessed hope. Who did the Bible say was looking for the blessed hope? Acts chapter 26 and verse 6 and verse 7. Just two verses. Acts 26 and verse 6 and verse 7. Paul is, is giving his testimony before King Agrippa. And he said here, And now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. So Paul told you who God made the promise to. Remember, there were no promises made to Gentiles in the Old Covenant. The promises was made to our fathers, Paul says. And then verse number seven, then he's going to tell you, unto which promise our 12 tribes, can't you see it? Our 12 tribes hope to come. Our 12 tribes hope to come. Who was looking for the blessed hope? The 12 tribes of Israel. They said, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. So the Bible plainly told us. See, I'm giving you the information. I'm giving you information. The Holy Ghost will reveal his word to you if you just believe it. I'm giving you information you have. One thing to do is believe. And then the Holy Ghost will show you that He's talking to Israel. Let me give you some more information. And that's what I'm going to continue to do as your pastor, your teacher. Well, first of all, I want to say to the Door Faith Christian Church out there this morning Good morning. Good morning, Door Faith. And also I want to say to the body of Christ, good morning. You might not be a part of this local assembly, but you are a part of the body of Christ. All right. That means that you believe in Christ's death, and resurrection for your salvation. You believe in the cross for your salvation. That makes you a part of the body of Christ. All right. Now, let's get into the word of God because I want to give you my subject this morning. Uh, We're talking about series... Looking for that blessed hope. Well, let's go into showing you our, series, our message for the day. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. I'm giving you this because, remember, I talked about this last week, but now we're getting into the meat of the word, okay? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. We talked about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Get that? Tape. Those tapes are already on our podcast, uh, and they'll be on there every, every week, so you can go back and listen to the way back there on prayer, way back there on uh, everything that I've been teaching on last six months, last year. You can get all those things on our podcast, all right? Just go to our website, okay? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, talking about Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Remember. The Father is telling you who Christ. Now remember, Christ in you, the hope of glory, if the image of the invisible God lives inside of you, that makes you the body of Christ. Christ is also the firstborn of every creature. That's Colossians 1.15. Then in verse 16, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Then it says, Whether they be thrones or dominions and principalities and powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And the Bible says He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. That word "consist" right there means exist. By Him, all things are held together. It's another translation. By him all things are held together, all right? So that means that all the body of Christ is held together. See? All things are held together, uh, exist, or consist, all right? Now, and he is the head of the body. He's the head of the body of the church. Show you who the body is. Christ is the head of the body, the church. Christ is the beginning. Christ is the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have, here's the word, preeminence, the preeminence. Now, with that word, that word means superiority. Once again, what does it mean? Superiority. So I'm going to be talking about the day of the superiority of Christ. See, I could have named this message the preeminence of Christ. But I'm going to give you a big word today so you can learn, okay? The superiority. That word is spelled S-U-P-E-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y. The superiority. S-U-P-E-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y. The superiority of Christ. Now, what does that superiority of Christ mean? We're going to give you some definitions. Because remember, we are talking about you're looking for that blessed hope. But I'm teaching you about the Christ in you. Because of the Christ in you. See, if you don't have Christ in you, you have no hope. Now, if you want to go back to the Gentiles, I can take you back. Uh, let's, let's look at Let's go back to Ephesians. Let me show you a couple. Let's do this first. Let's go back to Ephesians. And let's show you in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. This is where you were before the cross. So when Paul talked about uh, the the, the believers, the Jewish believers, he was talking about them waiting for Christ to come. But today, you know, we got people now saying, well, he talked about us. Come on, let me me show you us before the cross. Wherefore, we're in Ephesians 2.11, Paul says, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. This was before the cross. You were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. That at that time you were without Christ. See, we want to take something that's not ours. We want to be the one we're looking for Christ. That's not to you. It was for the Jewish believers. Paul says, at that time, we were with, you were without Christ. He didn't say we because, remember, he was a Jew. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers, watch this, from the covenants of promise. We were strangers from, we didn't have no promise. We were strangers from the covenant of promise. Watch this, having no hope. So he couldn't be talking to us without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus. So that's what you ought to be concerned about right now. Stop trying to take something for somebody else. Now in Christ Jesus, learn what you have. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, now in Christ Jesus, you who sometime were far off made may not buy the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So we're going to have to understand uh, all of this stuff Christ did now for us. So now be grateful and thankful what God has done. And verse number 15 says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, For to make it himself twain, one new man making peace, and that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. So you you got in on the promise of God, and the promises of God in Christ. What Paul is talking about, prophecy what the prophet says and what God gave them hope through the fathers. You, you, didn't, you didn't have no hope then. Only hope we have is in Christ. All right, now let's, let's go to work. So we're talking about the superiority of Christ. That's why you're supposed to be bragging on Christ and not what you, you, about you. Right. And that's what people are doing. we are talking about us. The Lord going to come get us. We, we need to understand the superiority of Christ. The, this word superiority, number one word, is preeminence. Preeminence. That word preeminence really means first. So if you want to talk about the superiority of Christ, you talk talking about the preeminence of Christ. Here we go. He was superior in excellence. He was superior in honor. He was superior in power. Matter of fact, when you get over into Hebrews, which we're going to look at today, and we're going to look at this word, I don't know if the first service or second service, but we're going to show you the word greater. See, he's greater. That's why... uh, my my daughter, thank God for her here in the spirit. The spirit of God said to me, He says, "Have her to sing that song. Nobody greater. Because if you're going to talk about the superiority of Christ, there's nobody greater. Hallelujah. See, He is superior. He's first. And what people are doing, we're talking about our religion. We talk about our tradition. We talk about everything else when we ought to be talking about one person who ought to be getting this glory, and that's Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody give him praise, hallelujah. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ, him crucified. Nobody greater, watch this, and nobody better. So we're going to be looking at these words today in our message, greater, better, preeminent, superior, He's superior in power. Nobody has more power than Christ. He created all things. What an awesome thing. All right, so let's give him the praise. Let's give him the glory. Let's talk about him. Now let's go to to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5. I'm so excited to give you this word if you'll just receive it. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 5. Now watch what the Bible says. This verse is going to tell you who in charge. You know, I I really like this because, you know, in a a, a world we living in, we have to always understand that Christ is seated on the throne. Hallelujah. I I know some of y'all think this is going to happen. No, no, no. He's on the throne right now. Christ is seated on the throne. Look at Hebrews chapter chapter 2 and verse 5. Watch what Paul said unto the angels. Now, I'm going to go through probably the second service, and I'm going to show you everything happening in the Old Testament, Christ is better. Christ is greater. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. All right, now. Hebrews 2 and verse 5. For unto the angels has he not. We want to make sure we understand that word not. Not what, pastor? He has not put in subjection. He has not put in authority. Hallelujah. Now in the old covenant, the angels was in authority. That's why... Adam lost his power and authority in the garden. But in the new covenant, angels are not in authority. When Jesus Jesus was raised from the dead, he gave his authority to the church. Now that's awesome. That's, That's just an awesome verse there. He gave all his power to the church. So that's why we as the body of Christ, we got to know that. Let me show you that again. Go, well, I got to go there later. I won't mess with it. Let's go. To, we're still in Hebrew. I, I'm going to go there. You can write it down. Uh, we'll look at it a little later, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. We're not going to go there next, but we're going to go there in the next two or three scriptures, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. I'm going to show you he gave his power, his authority to the church. You got to know what he gave you now. So you ought to be jotting those things down. What did God give me? I just told you one of the things he gave you. He gave you his power. He gave you his authority. Hallelujah. This is an awesome thing to know that my father gave me the authority. In the old covenant, angels had it because Satan got it through Adam. Adam the fall of Adam. But here Paul says in Hebrews 2 and 5, unto the angels has he not put in subjection whilst this, the world to come. Now you gotta, you gotta, you gotta see what Paul, what Paul is saying here. I believe Paul wrote this book to Hebrews. So Paul is saying, there's another dispensation that I preach to the Gentiles. And that dispensation, see that word world is not the planet. He's not talking about another planet. He's not talking about God going to destroy the earth and kill everything on the earth like people tell you. No, no, no. He's talking about the age. He's talking about the dispensation, just like it was in Noah's day. God was about to destroy all flesh, Genesis 6 and verse 13, in the days of Noah. Well, what, what was he telling Noah? Noah, right now, people are wicked, but God's going to destroy them off the earth, and then God's going to give you the, the earth. And that's what God did. So what did God do? God put everybody who was going to be going with Noah or God going to preserve and keep to replenish the new earth. Remember he told Noah, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue and have dominion. Well, God had to take Noah and put him in the ark. Now, follow me along now. God had to put Noah in the ark to preserve him. But that's just a type in the shadow. And then he's going to allow the flood to come and destroy the earth, or I can say the heaven and earth and everything on it, and then God is going to not take Noah to another planet, but he's just going to rest on the mountain and then he's going to let Noah down off the ark, out of the ark, back down on the same planet that he was on. Was he in the same place? No. There were only two places. Listen to me now. I'm giving you information. When you study the word of God, there were only two places that Israel ever went to. If you go look at Moses, Moses went from one place to another. If you find out where it was, they're all the same. When the ark was taken up, where was it taken up from? That's where it went to. But it was taken up. You, you, went, from, you went from Israel to Egypt. You went from Israel to Babylon. If you go back and ask Abraham, where did he go? Abraham went from Egypt to the promised land. Go back and look at Abraham. Abraham was taken in captivity and his wife in Egypt. The king, the pharaoh there in Egypt. Same way it was with Moses through Joseph. They end up in Egypt. And God brought them out of Egypt, brought them back to the promised land. Gave them that land of promise back. See, that land of promise is just like Christ himself. And this word Babylon or Egypt was the world. Just like he did to you. He brought you out of flesh, the world, put you in Christ. So the same way with Noah. Noah was in the old world. Peter said God put him in the new world. But in the old world, he had destroyed everything that was there that was old. The old Jerusalem, uh, the old, everything that they had built for themselves had to be destroyed. The old temple, all that had to be destroyed. And then God would put them in the new land. Nothing changed. So because you know that, you ought to know why the, all of the animals came out of the old world. And the old world that time was Africa, but guess what, Egypt is? Egypt is in Africa. See, if you look at everything, all that's natural. That's not how we look at the day, but we have to see the natural so we can understand the spiritual. Now God brings people out of darkness into his marvelous light. He brought you out of Adam into Christ. Everything in the old covenant was a type and a shadow. Are you following me? All right, so Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5, let's go back there again. It said, for unto the angels has he not put in subjection or authority the world to come where we speak. Now, we're going to take some time, and we're going to go through this world to come, not right now, but in the next few minutes. So you want to write that down. So if you out there following me alone out there on Facebook, write that word, the world to come. Because I'm going to show you that if you were in the days of Noah, you had a present time, Noah, before the flood. Then you had a world to come after the flood. Now you need to be able to see this. If you can see that, you can see everything else I'm saying. Remember, I'm going to give you the instructions. The Holy Ghost is going to give you the understanding. That's what you got to keep these two words. I want you to write down two words for me, and I'm going to talk about them a little later. If you receive the instructions, God will give you the revelation. I'm going to put that down for me. The greatest thing that I have learned about people is they don't want to receive instruction. Nobody can tell them anything. They already know. Receive the instructions from a man of God and God will give you the revelation. So you can put them together. No instructions, no revelation. God not going to give you revelation knowledge if you reject the instructions from a man of God. Let let me me give you something that some people may think deep, but it's not. It's the same process. If God had not given us Jesus, we would not have need Paul. Let me say it again. If God did not give us Jesus, we would not have needed Paul. Now what does that mean? Jesus came and gave you what? Instructions. Jesus taught three and a half years, giving the people instruction, knowledge. And what did God give Paul? The revelation. If you have rejected Jesus, you would not be able to understand Paul. This is what people are doing. They reject Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They don't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they trying to say they know Romans, Corinthians, and everything else. You, don't, you can't know that. You reject it. Jesus said, you have received me. You re- believe them that sent me. Same process. All right, now let's get into the word. The world to come. All right, let's go to the next thing and let's look at Hebrew chapter 6 because this world to come in Hebrew chapter number 6, we're going to look at the first six verses. Watch what Paul is going to tell them Jews, Hebrews in Hebrew chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 6. Hebrew chapter 6. in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Now remember, this is what God is doing. You're leaving the old, going to the new. You're leaving the old. Remember I taught a new heaven, new earth? You're leaving the old world, going to the new world. That is the... Transition that you're having, that's why you have to do that to understand the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a transition book. Where you're leaving the old, going to the new. That's why you go through transition. For all the apostles that follow Jesus Christ, it takes you right on up into showing them that they will leave. And then you will start Paul ministry and all those that were with Paul. A transition book. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go into perfection. Now remember, Jesus Christ has come during this time, after he rose from the dead, his death, and resurrection. And remember, now he is offering them his kingdom. So when he offered them himself, he's offering them his kingdom. He's offering them his new covenant. He's offering them a new way of living, a better way. He offered them a new life. First of all, he offered them life, and he offered them a new life, and he offered them all the other things that come with the new covenant. So in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, This is what he said for them to do. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. These are old things. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, these things were the foundation for the first building. So if you study 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you would notice that God laid a new foundation. But that is the old foundation. See, those things that he just named there is what the old foundation was standing on. So he's saying, don't lay them again. That's a foundation term of a builder. Don't lay these things again, foundation. Don't build your life on these things again. And this will we do if God permit. And then he said, for it is impossible for those who was enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. So he's telling the people, look, you've you, you tasted the heavenly gift now, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, you tasted the Holy Ghost. I mean, the, uh, 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 you've been partaker of the Holy Ghost. You've been partaker of the heavenly gift. You tasted the good word of God to come, which was the gospel of grace. Uh, you heard of the powers of the world to come? There it is. And you tasted the powers of the world to come. Because God was giving them what the Gentiles already had, was Grace. He said, now, if you now fall away to renew you again unto repentance, if you go back now, now you crucify themselves, the Son of God, afresh. You put him to an open shame. You can't go back. That's just like a person now saying, I, I'm with the church. I've been with the church for so long, and I received the Holy Spirit. I'm a part of the body of Christ. And then you look up, and they over here into something totally. You like, what are you doing over here? Paul said they fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh, and put Him to an open shame. Then he said the earth was drinking in the rain that coming up on it, and bringing forth earth meat for them by whom it was dressed. Receive blessing from God. Receive blessing. But he said, But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected. And it's not a cursing. Watch this. Whose end is to be burned. He's talking to the Hebrews. So you can't go back now. But beloved, we are persuaded better, hear that what better is better things of you. We are persuaded better things of you. Things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. If God is not unrighteous, he's talking to Hebrews, to forget your work, to forget your labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, because everything they did, they did it because of his name, and that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence, watch this, to the full assurance of hope, Hebrews, until the end. Wasn't talking to Gentiles, talking to Hebrews. Then he said to to the Hebrews, that you be not slothful, to the Hebrews, but followers of them who, through faith, and patience, inherit the promise. That's how they're going to get it. They're going to have to inherit it. But they had to inherit it through the faith God gave them and the patience. Then they're going to say, when God made promise to Abraham, see, God didn't make no promise to you. God made promise to Abraham. He was one of the fathers because he could swear by no greater. He swear by himself, saying, surely here's the promise Blessings I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, there it is, he obtained the promise. He obtained the promise. For men verily, for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation. Is to them of end of all strife. Wherefore, God, or wherein, God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs, watch this, you are not the heirs, the heirs of promise, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were heirs of promise. God showed them the immutability of his counsel and he confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Hebrews, Hebrews, Paul said to Hebrews, we, Hebrews, might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, he was not talking to Gentile; he was talking to Hebrews. How you know he's talking to Hebrews, Pastor? It's the name of the book. Wherefore, whether the forerunner in verse twenty, Paul talking to Hebrews, the forerunner Christ is for us entered. Did he to say even Jesus? He's our forerunner, made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So when you read the word, you know he's not talking to you, he's talking to Hebrews. But let's go look at the world to come. First, let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 and verse 19. Let's do that first. Ephesians, chapter 1 and verse 19. I hope you're enjoying the word because I want to show you in the word that you've got to be able to get the instruction. God not talking to you you can't read the book of Hebrews and say, God talking to me. You can't do that. You can't read the book of Revelation and say, God talking to me. No, because he told you who he was talking to at the beginning of the book. John wrote the book of Revelation to the seven churches of Asia. And they were Jews. All right. Hebrew chapter 1. I'm sorry, Ephesians. Chapter number 1, verse 19. That's where we're at. Ephesians 1, 19. Now in this chapter, Paul is praying for the church. He he says in verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us what Paul says, who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. Now he's telling you what he did with his his power and what he did with his authority. That's why I told you earlier. God gave his power and authority to the church. I'm showing it to you now. Verse 20 says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You Talk about the power that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where is Christ? He is seated at the Father's right hand in the heavenly places. Where is Christ? He is seated on his throne. He is both Lord and Christ. Christ is seated on the throne. But in verse number 24, 21 says, he's far above all principalities and power and might and dominion. And every name that's named, watch what he says, not only in this world, Now, what world is he talking about? Before Jesus' return. If I was talking to Noah, what world, Noah? Before the flood. Not only in this world before the flood, not only in this world before the tribulation, but also in that world which is to come. See, you got to understand, in this world and the world to come. So if you were in the days of Noah, Noah could say, In this world, before the flood, and the world after the flood. Just like Egypt, Israel was in Egypt. That's a different world than what God took them to. Watch what it says. In this world and the world to come. And have, past tense. Put all things under his feet. What did he do with his power? He gave to be the head of the church. Watch this. And he gave him to be the head of the church. He gave his son, Jesus. God know what God gave you. God gave you his power. But God also gave you his son to be the head of the church. Now why was Jesus the head of the church? Because everything the body gets comes from the head. And you never got to be worried about your body. Your head got you. Your head controls you. Your head supplies everything the body needs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your head protects you. Your head ministers to you, to your body. He gave Christ to be the head, gave him to be the head of the body of the church. Watch what it says. And has put all things under his feet, verse 22, gave him to be the head of the body, the head of all things, to the church. He gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So God gave all the power to the church. Christ is the head of the church. God gave Christ to the church. God gave all his power to the church. God gave all his provisions to the church. God gave all of his authority to the church. God gave his wisdom to the church his knowledge to the church. See, you got to just go back and see what Christ is and who Christ is. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is God's redemption. Christ is God power. He gave everything that Christ is to the church. That's why Ephesians 1 and 3 said, blessed be God the Father, who has blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly place in Christ. God gave Christ the head of the church, Everything that Christ is, God gave it to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. So God gave everything to the church. Now we're going to find out, why did God give everything he has to the church? He gave you Christ. When he gave you Christ, he gave you Everything. Look at Romans 8.32. All oh, this is good stuff. God gave you everything for the church, but we got to find out, why did God give me everything? Why did he give me everything? I asked the guy this morning, how many degrees you got? There are people who got one, two, three, four. Why did God give them to you? Why did God give you that many degrees? Why did God give you gifts? Why did he give you talents? Why did he give you his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding? Why did he give you his son? You're going to see it in this service. This service, you're going to see it. Got to know what God gave you. Here in Ephesians chapter number... One, let me read it one more time. And verse number 22. He has made him to be, he has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head of all things to the church. So when you find out who Christ is, the Bible says he's made unto us wisdom, made unto us knowledge, made unto us sanctification, made unto us. Justification. See, he's everything. Just name it: wisdom, knowledge, understanding. He's everything. So he gave everything to the church. He gave you his Holy Spirit. Gave you his faith. Gave you his love. Gave you his power. Look at Romans eight thirty two. You see that Romans chapter eight verse thirty two says. He that spared not his own son. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us, watch this, all things? What did he give you? He gave you all things. So he gave you Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 30. See, when God gave you his son, he gave you everything. And yet, people in the body of Christ don't have. And I say to you, well, the greatest reason why you don't have is you are not going about how some principles I just gave you this morning. And I told you to write these principles down. Number one, I put down knowledge. My responsibility is to give you the knowledge of the Word. My responsibility is to give you instructions. My responsibility is to teach you the Word of God. And the Holy Ghost's responsibility is to give you understanding of the knowledge of God's Word. Put it this way, I give you knowledge, instructions, the Holy Ghost gives you understanding and revelation. And that revelation and understanding equal one word called truth. And that's how you survive. That's how you're supposed to be taken care of. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. So if he's our wisdom, that make him our knowledge and understanding. If he's our righteousness, that means he's our peace and he's our joy. So he's giving you the first one. He give you the wisdom, so you ought to be able to say, if was he's the wisdom, then he's our knowledge, and he's our understanding. Then if he gave me, gave me righteousness, then you know righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Ghost. Then he gave me sanctification. And he also gave me redemption. That according it is written, that he that glorieth, let him glorieth in the Lord. That's why I'm talking about today, the superiority of Christ. He's first. He's greater. He's better. He has a preeminence. He's first in all things. Firstborn. First begotten. He is first. So if you're going to survive in this life you gotta understand how to make sure he's first in your life. Always like to tell people this ministry: if your life is not adding up, where do you have the Lord? Because if you put him in first, then your life gonna add up. But if you put Christ way over here then you're going to have a lot of numbers over there, but they won't add up. Your life don't add up. So if your life is not adding up, it's because Christ is out of order in your life. You got to make sure he's first. We're talking about the superiority of Christ. Now, let's go and show you a couple of things. I get to this other part later, but I'm going I'm I'm to show you something here. Go, go to a... Ephesians 4.7. I got enough time to get this in. Ephesians 4.7. I'm showing you what God gave you. He gave all things to the church. He gave you his power. He gave you his Holy Spirit. He gave you his Son. Once he gave you his Son, he gave you everything his Son has. And that's all things. Now that Christ is in you. My point is, learn how to live from the Christ that's in you. L- let me show you another verse before I go to where. Philippians 4, 19. I gave you a scripture, but let's go back to Philippians 4, 19 first. Now write these down. I'm going to give them to you in order. Philippians 4, 19, number one. Number two, I'm going to go back to Ephesians. Four and 7. And then I'm going to go to Romans, number 3. I'm going to go to Romans 12, 3. Number 4, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Number 5, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse one and two. I'm giving them all ahead of time. All right, you ready? All right, so let's go to Philippians 4:19 first. We're in the King James version. Philippians chapter 4 and we're going to look at verse number 19. Philippians 4:19 is on the screen here we go. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need. Why did God give you all things? See, this goes with the parable that Jesus taught when he, when he went away and he gave to his servants and told them to occupy till it come. And he came back. You know what they did? They buried it. Oh, I know you was an austere man, but what do you do with the the gift? I buried it. And you wonder why you didn't prosper, you wicked servant. I just gave you the answer. I just told you why he gave it to you. All right, Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your needs Now, you got people out there wondering why God not supplying their need. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. How does he do it? He do it according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, what is his riches in glory? What is God's riches in glory? I'll start naming them for you. I gave you 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Gave you some of his riches in glory. His wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, his righteousness, his peace, his joy, his redemption, his sanctification, his justice. All those are his riches, his riches in glory. What did he give Solomon? Gave him wisdom. See, all of those are his riches in glory. He gave him all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings in the heavenly places is his riches in glory. So how does God take care of you? Here we go. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You got to have the knowledge of the word. He's going to do it by the word. So you got people who God has given time off. And they will still, they got a nine o'clock service that I'm teaching them and a eleven o'clock service I'm teaching them. They won't get up and look at the nine, they'll get up and look at the eleven. Well, they won't get up and look at the eleven, they'll get up and look at the nine. The same way they do when they go to church. They ain't going to both services. And here they are and they can lay in their pajamas and watch it free. And they'll watch the nine o'clock service and cut off and come back. Already been to nine o'clock. Already watched That's your problem. You keep saying what you already did. God is giving you an opportunity to catch up. You need the word. You cannot get your needs met, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by the word. People are just lazy. Now I'm not saying this is why God allowed us to be all so low. But here's people don't have to get up and come into the house of the Lord in the morning, don't have to even get out of their bed. They can lay right in their bed, look at the f- flat screen TV, laying on their side, 9-11 service, and won't even do it. Watch one service and cut it off. Or sleep through the first one and maybe watch the circle and wonder why their needs ain't met. Ephesians 4 7. See, that's why I tell people in this ministry you can prosper if you do what the word tells you. But people are just lazy. Ephesians 4 7. And if that's not talking about you, then I'm not talking about you. But if you're going to prosper, you're going to have to get the Word. The more Word that comes in your life, the more you can prosper. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, here it is. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The gift of Christ is God's righteousness. God made you righteous. So he gave you his grace. He gave you his abundant favor. He gave you his abundant blessings. He gave you all of the manifestation of the Spirit. Gave you everything. And yet people ain't got it. What else he gave you? 1 Corinthians. Now let's go to Romans. Romans 12, 3. This is going to be the last one I'm going to be able to do before the break. Romans 12, 3. We'll pick it up right here because we want to show you what God gave you. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Are you there? I say through the grace given unto me, Paul says, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God has given to every man the measure of faith. What did God give you? He gave you the measure of faith, the same faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Galatians 2.20. He gave you the faith of the Son of God. My time is up. I thank you for yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Told you how to be saved. Told you to believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Say that with me. I believe believe in Christ's death, death, burial, and resurrection. I believe Christ died for my sins. I believe Christ was buried in my place where God buried the body of sin. And I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. To justify me. You prayed that prayer. Lift your hands and thank God for your new salvation in Christ Jesus. My time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you.